I've been uh, sharing on uh, keys to a victorious Christian lifestyle. And so three weeks ago, I, I shared on key one. Uh, two weeks ago, I shared on key two. Key one was we must refuse to live with regrets. So I think one of the greatest breakthroughs we can have as believers is to eliminate regrets of the past. Because if you live with a regret, that regret will start to consume you and eat you up and you won't see the blessing of God at hand. Now, how we eliminate those regrets, you'll have to listen to three Sundays ago and, uh, and listen how we walk through that. But every one of us, if you have a regret in your life, it could be, it could be oh, I wished I had done this or I wished I hadn't done that. But the reality is, is you can't change the past, but you can change the future. So eliminate regrets in our life of our history of the past. The second key was the importance of fellowshipping with one another with genuine believers in Jesus Christ. So the importance of us coming together and gathering, it's very intriguing how uh, you know, the, the craziness in the world right now is separating us from gathering. It's, it's pulling the families apart. I, I share, you know, our family is seven people with our grandson, and we can't even go eat together in a restaurant in the same table. And there's something wrong with that picture. We all live together in the same house and property, but we can't go eat together. So I understand that there's a pandemic, but the reality is, is the one thing that we must fight against is being isolated. As much as everybody, or the, not everybody, but some of the, the medical officials are saying isolation is better, I will guarantee you that if you isolate yourself from every virus and every disease, you will be the sickest person when you come out those doors. And, uh, and I know people that have been locked, confined with masks on, they were seniors, high risk, they had multiple issues health-wise, they never went outside, they never got fuel, their kids brought them the food, and, uh, and they would leave it four hours they'd, outside, they'd bring it in, they'd sanitize everything with gloves, they wore masks in their house, and they both got COVID in July. So something's wacky. Okay, uh, it's, it's, it's a virus, I get it, absolutely. But one thing I will tell you, Jesus Christ, it was illegal for him to lay hands on the lepers and he walked in and laid hands on the lepers. It was not an issue and not a problem in his eyes. I will tell you to this day, if you want prayer and you need a miracle, I don't care what disease or virus you might have, if you're open and willing, I will lay my hands on you because I will say I am willing to lay hands on you, okay? so. It's just the way I am. It's the way I'm wired. And if they find me or something, then I'll just pay the fines. But I, I will not break what my faith believes in, this word of God, where it says laying hands, anointing people with oil, laying hands on people. I have laid hands on the sickest people that I have ever seen in my life with infectious diseases. And I thank the Lord never once have I got an infectious disease from being obedient to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and standing on the foundation of the Word of God. Amen? Amen. Done. Finished. Let's go. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. It's key three I want to talk about today, doing everything as to the Lord. It's fun because we sang about that today, that everything we do is as to the Lord. And if we stay with a, a deeper heart-centered focus on what that might look like, it will change our attitude during the day, and it'll change how we look at people. Because we must maintain, we, our biggest battle is between our ears. The battle is not the angels and the demons. The angels have already won that battle, so the devil's defeated. 
Jesus Christ is not in battle with the devil. He rose, he died and rose from the dead and defeated the devil, okay? So now that we know the devil does not have authority unless you and I give it to him, the battle is no longer between you and the devil. The battle is actually between authority and power in our, between our ears, okay? And so a lot of people are like, well, the devil, you know, the devil has power. The devil has authority. Actually, he doesn't. He only has as much as we open our hearts and minds to. And, and I truly believe that when we start to do things not as to the Lord, but we do things as we want or as people want us to do, we start to open up that battle door and allow the fight to enter in, okay? So you've got the devil and the demons, and they want to fight you. They want, they want to defeat you. They know that you are not defeated if you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, that you actually are a lifestyle of victory. That's your destiny, and so anything else that is trying to take you out of a lifestyle of, of, of victory, a victorious lifestyle, is an attack from the enemy, period. If it's trying to take you out of a victorious lifestyle, it will be an attack. And sometimes that happens through people, through friends, through media, through governments, however it is. But if it's here trying to take this out of you, it is not of God. <laughs> it is not of God. So we must maintain an attitude in our life, a right attitude. People may not always appreciate you know, what, what, what you do for them, but that doesn't mean we stop doing what we know is right. There's many times where you know, I have felt to do something, our team says yes, uh, we move forward in it, and a person gets offended, or they leave the church, they're offended, or they're offended at me. Usually everyone that leaves is always offended at me, even if I haven't really done too much to them, but they just they get offended. Well, what they've done is they've actually allowed the open door of offense. And when we allow the open door of offense, it actually opens up the door of the battle. And when it opens up the door of the battle, we will be fighting a battle that we've already won in victory if we'd slam the door of offense. But the problem is, is we just don't know how to slam the door of offense all the time. Some days we do really good and some days we don't do so good. How many can correlate to what I'm saying? I, when I'm driving down the road, Sharon and I, we just celebrated 32 years of marriage in Vancouver on this weekend. It was a beautiful time. But I'll tell you what, we're driving into Vancouver and we're both getting tense just from the drivers because they're offending me. It's amazing how close I, you have to follow to get anywhere because if not, all these cars, they go whip up beside you and whip in front. And I, I try to keep a safe stopping distance. And you know, in, in, in our car, it's like, people get too close and I'm not on the brakes. It's like, bee, 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 bee. these red lights all come on and scream at me and say, hit the brakes, you know? And I'm like, well, I said, Sharon, I, I feel like we're stressed. You know, when we were just going to the mall, it was like 10 minutes or 12 minutes from the hotel and we were stressed out by the time we got to the mall. I'm thinking, like, why am I, because they're offending me. So I snuck up tighter and tailgated, so I offended them when they tried to get, I'm just kidding, no, no, it's terrible, but, but the reality is, is many of us need to learn how to eliminate offense, because offense, I truly believe, is one of the absolute largest attacks of the enemy to destroy relationship. In all my years of counseling, every relationship that I can think of right now, every relationship had some level of offense between two people, and it broke. Matter of fact, I think most people that have left our house here 
have been offended. Some have legitimately moved. But on average, people don't know how to control their offense. And their offense becomes their dominating force in their life. But that's not doing life unto the Lord. Jesus was amazing. He got offended at very little that we know about in Scripture. One of them was the defilement of the temple. And the other was that the religious leaders of the day should have known better. And it offended him that they didn't know better, that they were actually teaching a gospel that built their kingdom more than his father's kingdom. But as far as relationships... It never said he was offended at King Herod. It never said he was offended at the people that whipped him. It never said he was offended at the ones that threw the crown on his head. He didn't get offended at those. He got offended at religious people who knew better that were offended at him. If we continually live to seek man's approval, we will be disappointed in life. What is seeking to live by man's approval? It's our insecurity looking to be praised by man. When I say man, it's not men, it's man, man and woman. So when we look to be praised by somebody, we're seeking their approval, but God has never asked us to seek the approval of man. He has always asked us to live in his approval, and man will not always like you from it. Matter of fact, Scripture is very clear. If you truly live a God-fearing, loving life with Jesus Christ in you, powered by the Holy Spirit, and you walk through with that level of authority and power, you will probably offend somebody in the mall. You'll offend somebody who's offended, who's offended at God, who's offended at Christians, who's offended at church, who's offended at at families, I mean, some people get offended because my wife and I have loved each other and growing love for 32 years of marriage. Some people get offended at us because our family is actually doing really well. We've had it. We've heard it. I've heard it over and over. And it's like, are you seriously offended? We, sh- we should be more of a testimony to help you get out of offense than you'd be offended of the blessing of God in our lives. Because the reason I truly believe every one of us has the opportunity and is blessed by God is because they've learned how to eliminate their offense. Some people get offended at God because it's not happening the way they wanted it to happen. I'll tell you what, when you get into those thought patterns and statements, which I have been, how many of us have ever thought that God has abandoned us? He never has. He never has. I would rather, instead of getting offended with God not doing what we want, or someone not being who we want them to be, or I'm not being who they want me to be, I would rather be so offended at, offended at everything that is anti-Christ, everything that is not of the Word. I would rather be offended at every attack against me to such a level that I'm going to bind it and say no more in Jesus' name. I will not live in the offense of that attack. It's not easy. We all want to please people. That's a God-given characteristic. It's a trait for us. But when we find our identity in it, is I believe when we start to offend the kingdom ability of true sonship and daughtership in our life. If we literally continue to seek this or, or in the fear of man and seeking man's approval, it will always lead life to a roller coaster. You will be full of ups and downs. Don't raise your hand, but how many people of you know some up and down people? Like one day they are on 
way here high. And like every, nothing could hit, hit them. And then a few days later or the next week, they're at the bottom of a rut. You realize that's not a Christian, godly, living lifestyle. That's not how God designed us to be. He didn't design us to be emotional roller coasters. If we're an emotional roller coaster and our emotions are all over the place, then we're probably worried about offending someone or someone's offended at us. Somehow, we need to learn more identity within us. Now, none of us here on this platform, I am not preaching perfection in this. I also have emotions that go up and down. When I'm driving my vet, my emotions are up. When I got to wash my wife's car, my emotions drop. But the reality is, is we, we are destined to be stable, not level, but stably advanced, stability of advancement in our life every day. That's our destiny. And so you know what? We'll go up a little. Just if you've been down here, never get to that part again. You go up. Down a little, up, down a little, up, down a little, but you got to always be going higher than you ever have gone lower. We must learn to continually seek God's approval rather than man's approval, because I guarantee you, God is not an emotional up and down. He's a very emotional God. His love, his passion, he would do anything. Matter of fact, he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for you and me, his one and only son. He, 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 he created this world for you and me. He created all things to be blessings to him through you and me. He has, he has called us with a destiny of not even this kind of advancement, but vertical advancement into his presence. That's how he's created us to be. But man's approval is one of the toughest things for us as a people to overcome. We want to be accepted. Matter of fact, many, many people, many Christians will lose the strength of their testimony for the sake of being accepted by people. Where God was looking at you to not put the light dim, but to put the light bright. Not to just put the shade over and dim it down on a dimmer switch in those times of testing, those times of pressures. He's looking for someone to actually rip the shade off and he's ready to take a hundred watt light bulb and make it a thousand watts like that. God always appreciates everything we do for him. One of the greatest ways to lose the approval of man is to do something to bless man, to bless man. When we bless our brothers and sisters in Christ, whatever it might be, when we bless them, there's a joy that radiates from the kingdom. There's a joy that radiates from heaven. Even when you bless your enemies, there is a joy in the kingdom, but approval of man, you'll be at war with your enemy because everything will become a battle in our life 
when we need the approval of man, if they disagree with you, you will instantly be angry at them. That and tell you is right away that this, it's, that, that there's an approval of man going on in life and an insecurity in them. You know, right now, if you walk into a store, Sharon and I were in stores yesterday, and, and some say you have to wear a mask, and some say you don't, and we, I'm like, yeah, this one says you don't have to wear a mask. I feel like going into that one. And I go in, and everybody else is wearing a mask. One of the stores, I actually felt the salesman avoided us. His loss, not mine. But the reality is, is I do not want to be shamed into doing something to be approved by man. As soon as shaming comes in, it becomes an antichrist spirit. This is going deeper. Whoa. Just email Kevin with any concerns. I'm not talking the pandemic. I'm talking that if you are being shamed into obedience, then you have a fear of man if you comply. Or it's the law. But at what point does this law overpower man's law? I put a mask on when I need to so other people feel comfortable, no problem. But it is so hard for me when someone looks at you and says, sir, you have to put that mask on. Only because, for me, it's not about a pandemic. It's about who is our source, who is our protector, who is our healer, and whose law do we abide by? Again, I have no problem putting one on. I actually get these little clear shields that sit on your chin and they go up here. Super easy to breathe and sometimes I put a mask on and I'm, slow down, Sharon. I'm not saying it's against the pandemic. What I'm saying is we have got to make choices in our life. One thing, it's the law. Doesn't mean when it says maximum 100 kilometers out there that just because you want to do 180, go for it. No, 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 no. The law is the law. Abide, abide by the law. But when it starts taking away your rights from a, from a Christian's perspective, then we have to really be in praise on what master do we serve. Because I don't serve the master called COVID-19. Yeah, come on. I don't serve the master called influenza. Or SARS. Or AIDS. Or cancer. Or tumors. My master's my wife. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Sorry. God honors those who serve him. John 12, verse 26. John 12, verse 26, this is Jesus talking. If anyone serves me, this is Jesus talking. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will also be also. If anyone serves him, if anyone serves me, him my father will honor. I guarantee you, I will serve Jesus Christ. 
He is my Lord and Savior. And when we choose to serve Jesus over man, again, I'm not talking about being a wacko out here, but I am talking about this more than I ever have in the past in Canada because of things that are happening in our own nation where we're starting to literally in our, I'd say our lifetime, but I'd say in our last couple years, watching our rights starting to get diminished. Watching our Christian nation not so Christian anymore. And I want to tell you something. I, again, I, I am fully agreement we follow the laws of the Lamb. But at the same time, to have a victorious lifestyle will not be to confine to what man says. It will be to live in what Jesus Christ says, which also says in this word that we are to honor and respect, or honor our governments and the laws. We pray for them. Doesn't mean we have to agree with them. But they, he is our prime minister. It is our government. I honor him, our prime minister. I definitely don't agree with everything he says. But I honor him as my prime minister because God has appointed and knows who he is. So, verse uh, 26 again. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me... Him, my Father, will honor. To get and live in the honor of the Father, to live in the honor of a victorious lifestyle, we must be serving. If we don't serve, we actually don't have the honor of the Father living in our life. And so that service is many things. And obviously, as a pastor in this church, uh, I'm going to say serve. Serve the, serve the community, serve the family, serve in your own family, serve in your business, whatever that looks like. But serve, serve someone other than yourself. Because as soon as we start serving into other people, say, well, I'm not going to be a servant. No, a servant is different than serve. Even though it says servant, the implication, if you go into the original text, is someone who feels tied to the service. I believe we're sons and daughters. We're not slaves. We're servants of his king, of the king. A slave is totally different. You are bound in chains against your will. But a servant is someone who serves in the family. We need to learn to always do all things as to the Lord. We must live to first please God as we love and do things for others, our priority first is to please God. We're, we're doing this to please God. If once we get into the atmosphere or the, the mentality of, I'm doing this because it pleases me, we immediately put a trap in front of us. I'm doing this because it pleases God. If we say, I'm doing this because it makes me feel good, then what we're doing is we're saying, if I don't feel good, I won't do it. But God's not calling people who just want to feel good. He's calling people who want to serve him. No matter how it makes you feel, you serve him unconditionally. And I guarantee you, you will have a victorious lifestyle of increase in your own life. The Apostle Paul did so much for many people, but times he was not appreciated. As we read in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 15, here's, here's Apostle Paul saying, something very clear. He served many people. And I will very gladly spend and be spent for your souls. So in other words, 
I will, I will happily spend my time with you and even get burnt out in some ways for you. So I will go over and above for you, is what Paul's saying. Though the men, the more abundantly I love you, the less I am loved. So he has realized something. The more I spend my time with you, I get spent, I get burnt out, I get tired, but I'm happy to do that for you. But I've come to realize that in that, you have felt somehow that it's not reciprocal. Maybe he's thinking, I'm actually, through my willingness and my love for you, I'm willing to go so far with you that I'll get burnt out in the process. And what I'm teaching you is that it's all about you instead of you serving others. And so we need to be cautious with the amount we do. We need to have the wisdom of the Lord with who to do what with as far as preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? At the end of Paul's life, after ministering and encouraging many people, Paul sits lonely in prison. The guy radically changed his life. An encounter with the Lord changed his life from someone who fought Christians to someone who promoted it. And he's in prison, having been abandoned by many, many people. It amazes me how many good people there are that get abandoned, abandoned by the people in their later life. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 to 11. 2 Timothy 4, starting in verse 7. I have fought the good fight. This is Paul. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. So, good fight, finished the race, and kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Verse 9. Be diligent to come to me quickly, for Damas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed for Thessalonica, Crescens for Galatia, Titus, Dalmatia, verse 11, only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for ministry. <laughs> You're useful to me for ministry. But do you love me? Doesn't matter. You're useful to me. That'll go over well. Of course I love you because you're useful. <laughs> Sounds terrible. But the reality is, is that's not how we look at people. But if you don't look at someone as being useful, then you have a problem. Because God calls them sons and daughters. And they are useful. It's the purpose of the kingdom come. His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Everyone is useful. There's not one person ever born on this earth that is useless. Everyone is useful. That's why if someone implies you're useless, just bind it in your mind in Jesus' name and kick it out of your thought patterns. 
and say, hmm, no, I'm a son. I'm a daughter of the king. Verse 11 again, only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for ministry. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. May the Lord repay him according to his works. That's a pretty heavy word. But the reality is, is he's actually speaking the word of God. We're grace, we're saved. We can have a hyper grace message, but you're actually known as a son and a daughter through your works, your love, your ability to serve him and not some earthly master. He knows you. He knows you before the foundations of earth were laid. I'm not saying by any means that your service brings you into a better Christian. No, but your service will change, as the Bible says, the house you live in in heaven. Because true sons and daughters want to serve. If they're not doing it because they have to, sometimes you do do it because you have to. You know you need to, and so you've got to go for it. But the reality is God's not looking for ones to live their lifestyle because they have to. He's looking for ones that love him so much that they live the kingdom lifestyle victoriously because it's an open door for them through the son that was sent to this earth to die and rise again. You see, it's not that I have to do this. It's that I want to do this. It's not that I have to fill my wife's car with gasoline. I actually want to fill it with gasoline. And I go to the the gas stations that have automatic car wash because it saves me a little bit of time. But the reality is, is once we get out of the mentality of I have to because I'm told to, and we switch it, we start to live no longer in the fear of man. We start to live in a healthy relationship with God. And, and we know that so-and-so would like me to do this, even if they've asked me to do it, but I'm choosing to do it because I want to do it. Because want is subject to your own mind's interpretation of it. Want? I want this? It's subject to the interpretation of your mind. I want this. I want to do this. I want to do this. And I feel like the Lord is saying, when, when we live in this victorious lifestyle, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. Because when we start to live with this fear of man gone and, and the love of God and Holy Spirit dwelling deeply in us, when we start to live greater in that, and I'm not saying we're not living it, I'm just saying there's always more and more and more of Him in us and waiting for us. And we no longer then start to look and get depressed on the situations as much as we know that God has given us the victory of every situation. It might not end exactly how we want because want is subject to the interpretation of the mind. But I guarantee you, the more we serve Him, follow Him, become like Him, the more our wants are His wants. 
Paul knew that people would not always appreciate what he did for them. But you see, that didn't stop him. That wasn't the cause of someone leaving the church because they didn't get enough time with Pastor Brent. Or one of the pastors. They didn't give me enough pulpit time. I'll tell you what. If that's the reasonings, behind your joy, your happiness, or whatever, you're looking at, man, way too much. We have to look at God more. And Paul knew that people wouldn't always appreciate him. But did it stop him? No. No. That's why in Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 to 24, it says in Colossians 3:23, and whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. Whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. Verse 24. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the rewards of the inheritance. For you serve the Lord Jesus Christ. You serve the Lord. Whatever you do, do it heartily. Whatever you do, do it with an open heart. Do it with a heart of gratitude. Whatever you do, you serve with the heart of the Father. You serve with the heart of Jesus. You serve with a heart filled with the Holy Spirit. Whatever you do. And when we do this heart unto God, unto the Lord, I am serving. I'm serving in my own church. Not because the leaders say I need you, but because I have a heart. My open heart is to the Lord and I'm serving. I serve in my marriage, not because my wife is demanding me to, but because my love, my desire to have that intimacy with her, it, it, it overpowers my weak body sometimes. It overpowers my exhaustion physically. Because when we, when we serve with the right heart, there's an inflow of Holy Spirit that pours on you. There's many times I'm out on the road preaching into different countries and I'm exhausted, I'm tired, but you know what? I serve not because I want my name known by man. I serve because I want His name known to all men. And sometimes you get picked up from the hotel and you're just praying the meeting's canceled. But something happens, you get there with the right heart attitude. And sometimes your best messages come when you feel like you're in a prison and you feel abandoned sometimes. That can be your best message in your life. As Paul lived the end of his life and wrote of the scripture in prison people had abandoned him but God said I will never leave you or forsake you you are not abandoned ever says the Lord ever let's all stand
we need to do all things unto him in our life. How we love unto him. My wife, I love unto him. Otherwise, my expectation of her will dictate my love. He has a love that I could never have on my own. He has a love that I would never understand with my own mind. He's forgiven me for all my past. He's forgiven me for all my mistakes. He's already forgiven me for my future ones. Because of that love, I don't want to make them. I, I stand here ministering to you, our family, a windward family, with ministries around the world. I could beat myself up on why I screwed up in the past, why I did this, why I did this wrong, why I fell away from the Lord way back in my teenage years. Why did I do that, God? I could beat myself and carry the grudge of the past. But you know what? No, in the love of God, that grudge becomes the power of testimony. And everything that happened before this day is now turning to the power of testimony, which gives us strength to speak and live a testimony for the people around us. That's God, His love, and His mercy that endures forever. Some of us use a lot more of His mercy, <laughs> but it endures forever. So no matter what has happened in the past, no matter what is happening in your life right now, let go of the regrets. Live in the freedom of the victory through Jesus Christ. Maybe you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you don't even know what that fully looks like. Maybe you're watching on TV right now and you're not aware of what that looks like. I will tell you, it's instantly saying, Jesus Christ, you died and rose again for me. Whatever that looks like, I accept it in my life. And then start to realize, as a son, as a daughter of the king, you become victory. We're looking for a victorious lifestyle. Absolutely. But as we go through these keys, it's not so you aim for a victorious lifestyle. It's so you become the victorious lifestyle. Not in the future, but right now. For there's an inheritance that is already prepared for us in this victory. It's interesting, I just get a sense of the spirit of inheritances. 
falling from heaven. I can't say falling because in some ways that's not a, it almost feels like it's too negative for this inheritance. Does that make sense? Inheritance is so precious that it doesn't fall on us. It envelops us. This inheritance of love, this inheritance of forgiveness, this inheritance of victory, this inheritance of wealth, this inheritance of the richness of his kingdom come. Enveloping us right now like a cloud just enveloping us, healing us, sicknesses and diseases just vanishing in Jesus' name. Regrets of the past leaving in Jesus' name. That this inheritance of his presence is so thick as we breathe in, it becomes oxygen in our blood feel a respiratory issue being healed in Jesus name in Jesus name right now maybe it's someone in here maybe it's someone watching just breathe deep breathe it in asthma get out in Jesus name any virus of respiratory of lungs of pneumonia just out in Jesus name Feel it right now, so thick, his presence and his glory. The amazing thing is, is it's not God's choice as to when we feel this. It's our choice as to when we live in it. So many people feel that it's only when I'm in church do I feel I'm like, but you are church. <laughs> You're the bride of Christ Jesus. And so we thank you, Father, for your goodness and your mercy. It fills us to overflowing as we live in the victory of a victorious lifestyle for your kingdom has come and your will is being done on earth in us in us in us right now as it is in heaven I'm just going to call the prayer team is the day that you, our Lord, have made. We rejoice and we're glad in it. <laughs> and all the people said, Amen, Amen. If you'd like prayer, come on up. There's a prayer team here for you. gave your life to Jesus today, contact us, get a hold of us. We like to know.
going to walk with you. Maybe you're struggling letting go some of the regrets. We have pastors to help you walk through that here. We will help you walk through to know that you are victorious. And those regrets need to be eliminated. In Jesus' name. Bless you all, and I look forward to seeing you next week. We have Winsome on Wednesday night here, 645. You're free to come and check it out once or twice. Be a part. I think I'm ministering this Wednesday. Looking forward to it. The blessings to be blessed are knowing you're blessed.